We cannot give thanks well without remembering well. We cannot give thanks well without remembering well. And remembering well is difficult. Remembering wholly and appropriately and fully and honestly, remembering well is difficult for us as human beings. Our story from 1 Samuel chapter 7 tells us that to remember well, we need an Ebenezer. And no, Ebenezer here in 1 Samuel 7 is not referring to the first name of Dickens' character in The Christmas Carol. 1 Samuel chapter 7, this Ebenezer is the translation of the Hebrew. The, the Ebenezer translates in Hebrew as stone of help. That Samuel, after this mighty victory that God gives Israel over the Philistines, Samuel erects this pile of stones and calls it Ebenezer, the stone of help. It's a monument. It's a visible reminder of this victory. It's a way of remembering, as Samuel says, till now the Lord has helped us. We need an Ebenezer because we are prone to forget. We need something that will hold us to a proper, honest, full remembering of what God has won for us. We need an Ebenezer because we will, without it, forget. It's like the elderly couple, the wife and the husband sitting out on the porch. It's Thanksgiving Eve. And she says to her husband, I'd like some vanilla ice cream with some chocolate on top. And he says, I'll get it for you, honey. And she says, write it down because you'll forget. He says, I'm not going to write it down because I'm not going to forget. Several minutes go by and he comes back and gives her a plate of scrambled eggs and toast. And she says, I told you to write it down. You forgot the bacon. We all forget. We're prone to forget as human beings. I know in my own life, I'm prone to forget the gospel. I'm prone to forget who God is. I'm prone to forget who God is to me and what he's done for me. I'm prone to forget who I ultimately am under that gospel. And when I forget, it brutally impacts the way I live. That anxiety that we read in Matthew 6 that Deacon Tony just read, don't be anxious, Jesus says, my anxiety arises when I forget the gospel. I need an Ebenezer. I need an Ebenezer to remind me so that I do not forget. To remember well. And here's what this Ebenezer in 1 Samuel 7 teaches us. That this Ebenezer gives us the ability to remember well. And here's what we remember well. When we are remembering the way God wants us to remember, it's two things. We're going to remember the miseries and the mercies of God. We're going to remember our misery and we're going to remember God's mercies. 
And it's when those are held together that we are remembering well. So first, I need an Ebenezer that will help me remember my miseries. Verse 6 of 1 Samuel 7, just before this mighty victory, Israel's gathered to worship. They come unarmed. They're coming for a worship service, not for a battle. And they begin this worship service with these words from verse 6. They gathered at Mizpah and drew water and poured it out before the Lord and fasted on that day and said there, we have sinned against the Lord. We have sinned against the Lord. The whole story here of remembering well begins with them acknowledging their sin, their misery. Because here's what's interesting. That word Ebenezer that Samuel calls that heap of stones, it's not the first time we bump into that name. The name Ebenezer is actually the name of the place they've gathered. See, back in chapter 4, of 1 Samuel, we're told that Israel gathered at the town called Ebenezer, the town's name, 20 years earlier, had gathered there to fight against the Philistines. But because of unfaithfulness in Israel's leadership, horrible unfaithfulness, Israel was defeated by the Philistines. The ark got captured, the ark of God. They thought, oh, let's just bring the magic box into the battle and we'll guarantee a victory. And the ark of God is taken away. God says, it's not about the ark coming in, it's about faithfulness. The ark is captured. Hophni and Phinehas, two of the priests, the sons of Eli, are killed in the battle. And Eli, the great priest of Israel, dies at the news of his son's death. Phinehas' wife goes into labor early as a result of hearing of her husband's death. And we're reading in chapter 4, verse 21, that when the child was born, she named the child Ichabod, saying, the glory has departed from Israel. That's what Ichabod means. The glory has departed. Because the ark of God had been captured and because her father-in-law and her husband were dead. This is what they're remembering. 20 years ago in this place, Israel repents of their sin and says, we, 20 years ago, fell into grievous sin before God. We were unfaithful, our leaders were unfaithful, and it's been 20 years of misery. And they remember that before God. Now, when Samuel, therefore, names the stone Ebenezer, and he names it after the town where they're gathered, it's this double remembrance, right? They're going to remember now this great victory that God wins for them. They come unarmed, right, to the battle. They came for a worship service, not a battle, and God routes the Philistines before them. But the name Ebenezer, because it recalls that 20-year-ago incident, says part of the remembering well is remember the misery. Don't forget the miseries. Don't put them away and somebody say, oh, they don't matter. They're, they're to be put away. You, you may say, what a lousy way to remember. I mean, isn't it our job to forget the miseries, to put it aside, to never think of them again, to remember just the good, but not remember the bad? The reason Samuel wants Israel to remember their miseries is because Samuel knows that sentimentalism in our context for Thanksgiving, trying to force a cheery hospital, uh, a cheery holiday disposition in the midst of real pain and sorrow. They're just trying to force that, to 
courage up the feelings to have a good thanksgiving and to feel full of joy, even though there's a lot of pain. That that kind of sentimentality is not remembering well. The remembering well before this Ebenezer is to acknowledge the real pain, the real sin, the real brokenness, and the real need that we have. To remember well acknowledges our difficulties, our tragedies, our miseries. As Friedrich Buechner says, it's because the gospel is bad news before it's good news. It's the news that man is a sinner that he's evil in the imagination of his heart, that when he looks in the mirror, all in a lather, what he sees is at least eight parts chicken, phony, slob. As Ephesians chapter 2 so powerfully describes this misery of sin that every human being experiences, Paul writes these words, they're stark. And you may say, why are you reading this on Thanksgiving? Because we can't understand thanksgiving and the mercy God gives us without understanding the misery. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, Paul says, this is our state, our misery. You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that's now in work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Verse 4, the entire gospel in one line. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, when, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. See, I need an Ebenezer. If I'm going to remember well, this Ebenezer must point me to the miseries. It must show me the truth of my misery. But then I'm ready to hear the mercy. See, I need an Ebenezer that will not just show me the misery and leave me there, but will then show me the mercy of God. As we see here in 1 Samuel 7, this Ebenezer will remind us of God's mercies. God has won them a mighty battle. This stone of remembrance is a memorial to God working in their lives. I like how Charles Spurgeon, I'm going to read a longer quote. You're going to have to forgive me. But Charles Spurgeon, so brilliantly, and this is, this is in the mid-19th century, writes these words, arguing that we, as we come to moments of thanksgiving, need to recognize that signs of mercy have been seen in your life and my life. That signs of mercy aren't just things we see in biblical stories. That if you can read this, and hear these words figuratively, but you can see the Bible story of God's mercies written into your own life. He writes these words. He says, have you, read it figuratively, have you not, have you passed through no rivers supported by the divine presence? Have you walked through no fires unharmed? Have you not been saved in six troubles? Yea, in seven has not Jehovah helped you? The God who spoke to Abraham at Mamre, has he never spoken to you? The angel who wrestled with Jacob at Peniel, has he never wrestled with you? He that stood in the fiery furnace with the three holy children, has he never trod on the coals at your side? The God who gave Solomon the desires of his heart, 
Has he never listened to you and answered your requests? Have you never been made to lie down in green pastures? Have you never been led by the still waters? Surely, beloved, the goodness of God of old has been repeated unto us. I beg you, therefore, dear friends, for a little time this day to fix your thoughts upon your God in connection with yourselves. And while we think of Samuel piling up the stones and saying, hitherto has the Lord helped us, let us lay the emphasis on the last word and say, hitherto has the Lord helped us. We see, even through the miseries of our own sin and the corruption of this world, we see the mercies of God at work in our lives. But you know, greater than even recognizing those individual mercies, those things which we write in our journal and those stories we tell our friends, what's even more incredible is the through line underneath them all. That the mercy that has been shown to us has a deep root and the deep root is even seen right in this Ebenezer story in 1 Samuel 7. For can you see with the eyes of faith that it's in verse 9 and 10, the victory comes in the midst of a sacrifice. Verse 9, we read these words. So Samuel took a lamb and offered it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. And Samuel cried out to the Lord for Israel, and the Lord answered him. And as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, hear this, as he was offering up the lamb, as the lamb was dying as a sacrifice for Israel's sins, the Philistines drew near to attack, but the Lord thundered with a mighty sound on that day against the Philistines and threw them into confusion, and they were defeated before Israel." It is the very moment that the lamb is sacrificed that God thunders against the enemy. And it is the very moment that the lamb of God who offers himself for the sins of the world, John 1.29. The moment that Jesus dies as the lamb of God, that sacrificial offering on our behalf, the moment that he dies, we're told that a great darkness fell over the earth and an earthquake hit and the curtain temple was torn into. That curtain temple that separated God and man, the holiness of God and the unholy misery of man was suddenly cut into because the lamb was sacrificed, because the lamb was slain, suddenly we had a thunderous victory against the mightiest enemy we would ever face, sin and death. It is as the lamb dies that God's mercy is shown to us. This is the mercy that fills our imaginations. This is the very mercy that an Ebenezer must point to. The Ebenezer we look for must both point to the miseries that are true to what it means to be human, but an Ebenezer that points to that mercy that God shows us in the lamb offered on the cross. And so the question, as I close, how do we build such an Ebenezer? How can we build it? Is it something that we can purchase a ready-made kit from Walmart or Hobby Lobby? I spent a lot of time reading through various interpretations of this, and I found people online who actually talk about how to build an Ebenezer. And, and don't be wrong, I mean, there's Ebenezer moments in our lives. You may have a little pile of stones in your backyard that reminds you of a moment. 
Certain journal entries, certain stories. There's Ebenezers of a type. But the true Ebenezer, the true Ebenezer that we long for, that will both point us to the very misery of what it means to be human in our sin, and yet the great mercy that God has won for us in Jesus, Jesus has already given us that Ebenezer. We don't need to build it. He built it for us. It is the meal that he gave us. Because as Jesus gives us the meal, which is called Eucharist or Thanksgiving, this Thanksgiving meal, that as Jesus gives us this meal, his body broken for us, his blood poured out for us, what does he say other than do this in remembrance of me? This is the Ebenezer. This is where we are reminded every time we come to this meal, this true Thanksgiving meal, on a weekly basis, we are reminded of the great misery of what it means to be us, the brokenness of our sin, and we are reminded of the incredible mercy of God that he has shown to us in Jesus Christ. My body broken for you. My blood shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Behold your Ebenezer. Misery and mercy. Now I've stolen this from Augustine because in the confessions, his great spiritual biography where he confesses his life and his story of what God has done for him. He says this to God. He says, oh God, we confess to you our miseries and the mercies that you've shown us that we may cease to be miserable. We confess to you our miseries and the mercies you have shown to us that we may cease to be miserable in ourselves and may find happiness in you. We cannot, friends, give thanks well. We cannot give thanks well if we don't remember well. We need an Ebenezer to help us remember well. An Ebenezer that reminds us of the miseries and the truth of our brokenness and sin. Not just before we met Christ, but that same misery that we can fall into each and every day as we forget who God is. But we need that Ebenezer that will also show us God's mercy and remind us that we are his because the lamb has been slain. Here I raise my Ebenezer Hither by thy help I've come, and I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. Mercy, misery. Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God. Mercy, he to rescue me from danger, interposed his precious blood. Here. At this meal is where we remember well. Here at this meal is where we learn to give thanks well. So come to the table and enter into thanksgiving. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.